Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What a day this has been. What a rare mood I'm in. Why it's almost like being in love. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. My man Patrick plays songs from the soundtrack of a movie. He uses those songs uh, to play for us uh, midweek movie music. And based on these selections, we gather clues and hints that should lead us to the actual selection for midweek movie music. And this week, it is Groundhog Day. I think I remember this. It's in the credits? I believe so, yes. I think they played this in the credits. Yeah. Uh, I've watched Groundhog Day uh, probably more times than I can remember. I, I haven't watched it from start to finish in a while. But it's on TV a lot. It's on TV so much. And I've I'm, watched pieces of it, and usually when it's in the middle, I'll catch it in the middle and watch the rest of it. And I'll I'm wa- guessing it's going to be on TV tomorrow. you damn right. It's going to be on TV tomorrow. Um, and I'll probably end up watching it in some form or fashion. Uh, great movie, Groundhog Day. Appreciate my man, Patrick the Idealionaire, once again hooking us up for midweek movie music. All right, we're going to talk about some NFL headlines here. I want to start with the Sean Payton uh, story because there is a story about uh, – about his salary and we were speculating and you know trying to predict and project what his salary was going to be once the trade was announced that they Denver Broncos traded a first a second round pick for uh, Sean Payton in, and they also got a third round pick I believe in Sean Payton in exchange for that first and the second um, so I'll get to that Tom uh, sorry get to that Sean Payton story here in just a second I want to talk about Tom Brady's retirement first though uh, Tom Brady did make it official official earlier today announced his retirement just via his social media page uh, and it wasn't anything elaborate uh, it wasn't actually anything uh, you know, it wasn't something that I don't think it was something that he pre-planned and it wasn't uh, a statement made. It was just him really in an authentic or uh, kind of genuine fashion talking. I believe he was on a beach somewhere, um, probably outside of his home. And he just made the video uh, and said that he was done and that it was official that he would be retiring. And I know this time last year he actually did retire. I believe it was on this day that Tom Brady actually retired. Uh, but I believe Tom Brady this time. I don't think you'll have some Brett Favre like clown show I don't think he's coming out of retirement again I do think Tom Brady is done and you start looking at Tom Brady's career as the GOAT and there's no question he is the GOAT Uh, but man there's so many freakish Wilt Chamberlain type stats about his career that seem almost cartoonish he's had three Hall of Fame worthy careers in three different decades if you want to break it down his career in his 20s, his career in his 30s, and his career in his 40s. In his 20s, he had three Super Bowls. He had um, 147 passing touchdowns and two Super Bowl MVPs in that time span. Uh, In his 30s, he ended up having two regular season MVPs, two Super Bowls, 309 passing touchdowns, over 40,000 passing yards. That would be a Hall of Fame career for a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. And you take his 40s? 
Yeah, uh, not bad in his 40s. Two Super Bowls, one regular season MVP, 193 passing touchdowns, over 27,000 passing yards. It doesn't matter if you're looking at his 20s, 30s, or 40s. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame player. You look at the totality of it all, um, he's the GOAT. So he'd have been a Hall of Fame player in any one of those phases of his career. But in totality, uh, I don't think anybody's ever going to catch Tom Brady. And for him to give the middle finger to Father Time in the manner in which he did at 43 years old, he was when he in 2021, was he 44 then maybe, when he led the NFL in passing yards and in passing touchdowns, that's just freaky. Uh, And we won't see anything like it ever, actually. And first quarterback to uh, to win. Uh, he's basically the first player in NFL history to win a Super Bowl in three different decades, but also one of two quarterbacks to start and win a Super Bowl with multiple franchises, he and Peyton Manning. Um, and I believe that would also make him the first to start and win Super Bowls in both conferences as well. Seven Super Bowl championships. Here's the freakiest stat about Tom Brady. There are a bunch of, there are a bunch of them. He grew up a San Francisco 49er fan, and now he alone has more Super Bowl wins and playoff wins than the 49ers do as a franchise. <laughs> that is crazy. Do you think Do you think part of him and why he wanted to go to Tampa Bay was like, look, it'll be the Patriots have all these records. If I go somewhere else and win some more, man, it's Tom Brady has these records. That's a good point. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Like one of those factors where he stands alone because, like, I know as a Spurs fan, you're like, Tim Duncan has all these records. Yeah. But there's Spurs records, too. Yeah, but if you have, NBA is a different culture where no, it is. it's about the play. But, but I'm saying yeah. in, in, for Tom Brady, it's like if if he had done that all in one place, then I think you don't. he's still the GOAT. But, man, when we saw what Bill Belichick was once he left. Yeah. It just adds this another layer onto it. We're like, oh man, it did. I agree. Like he ran that offense and for probably a decade of that, at least. No question. No, him. I mean, there's there's no doubt. I think adding to the leg, the narrative is that when he separated from Bill Belichick and also won a Super Bowl with the Bucks in his first year, uh, I think we were done with the debate about who was more valuable. I mean, yeah. we're, we're, no, nobody's having that debate anymore. No. Everybody believes it was more Tom Brady than Belichick. And I know a lot of Spurs fans have had the debate about it. Was it more Popovich or Duncan? I think a lot of you might be on the Duncan bandwagon at this point. Yeah, I mean, it was always, <laughs> it was always Duncan. Popovich is a great yeah, coach, exactly. but it's always been Duncan. It's exactly. Nothing, Pop's great, but like, without he's a, Duncan. He's a, he's a top 10 all-time player, if not a top 5 all-time player. Yeah. So I, I think the same thing about Tom Brady. It's like, no, nah, it, was, it, it was Tom Brady more. Than, and by the way, I don't think Tom Brady would have won you know, six of them without Belichick. Yeah. I think he wins maybe two, three. But, yeah, he. I think he is more of the secret ingredient in the secret sauce than Belichick was. But I think I, I think both of them together, that's why you get six championships and, and the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL. Uh, but, yeah, with Tom Brady's legacy, you know, it's, it's really, like I said, I don't really know exactly how to frame the legacy just yet because I don't think we're totally done with his legacy because he's going to be a broadcaster as a player. But I also I think he's going to have this transcendent um, like this transcendent quality, much like a Michael Jordan had. Well, once you reach once you get to greatness and then you surpass greatness and you go to goatness. So there's a level past greatness and it's goatness. 
where now you're in a conversation with the goats. They're not even having. They're not even comparing you to peers anymore. You're past that. You're the greatest of all time in that sport. Now they're comparing you to be the greatest of all time among the goats. And I think that's where Tom Brady is. And in, and in that conversation, you do have to be able to transcend the sport and almost come become larger than the sport in a sense. MJ has been able to do it. Michael Jordan has done it. Yeah. He's he's infiltrated pop culture, and in twenty years, no kids are going to be talking about the greatness of MJ on the court. They'll be talking about the Jordans, the shoes, the brand, the owner, because that's how you, to me, that's how you sustain your legacy and you put you you infuse longevity into it. Um, because once you're done playing, people just forget about you because other great players come up. But we'll never forget Michael Jackson. I'm sorry, Michael Jordan, uh, because won't forget Michael Jackson either. Or Michael Jordan, because he's constantly omnipresent. He's all around. You, s- you still talk about him constantly. There's still references to Michael Jordan and his shoes and his brand. For Tom Brady, I do believe when he becomes a broadcaster, that'll be a part of it too. I think I said before his Tom, his TB12 method and the clinics and the diets and the cookbooks and all this kind of stuff and the athletic. Uh, apparel and accessories and the athleisure, all this stuff. I do believe Tom Brady wants that to be a big part of his legacy, penetrating pop culture and be some random mix of a Tony Robbins and a Richard Simmons in the future. That's all about health, wellness and fitness. And you all reference his years in the NFL, given the, the middle finger to father time as the best proof of concept. For TB12. How do we know it works? How do we know it works? Tom freaking Brady is how we know it works. I think he would have played longer if he could. But I don't know if anybody is ever going to play as long as he did and play at such a high level. And we're watching Aaron Rodgers break down. We're watching Russell Wilson break down. Now those guys are in their 30s. Late 30s. Mid 30s. This dude was at 44 leading the NFL in passing yards and touchdowns. Like that is freaky on a whole nother level. So I think in ye- in 20, 30 years, when we're not talking about the greatness of Tom Brady on the field specifically with what he did, the accolades, the awards, the achievements. I know it sounds crazy. You're going to be talking about TB12, TB12 uh, athletic wear, TB12 cookbooks, TB12 diet, TB12 clinics. Sounds crazy now. Uh, but uh, you look at the health and the wellness in the fitness industry. That is a multi-trillion dollar industry. And nobody's brand could be as big in that industry as TB12 and Tom Brady because some of your other goats have decided to uh, devote their uh, attention and devote their brand elsewhere. Yeah. I will say this is something that I think uh, because it's something that Tom Brady always did, which always amazed me that he could do every single year, was Tom Brady always presented himself as the underdog. At least in his own brain and how he sell it mm-hmm. to his team, they were always the underdog. They could be 25-point favorites. Everyone says he's the greatest football player of all time. They're definitely the favorite to win the Super Bowl. And he would walk in to play the worst and play the Detroit Lions and go, <laughs> man, no one thinks we're going to win this game. No one thinks I could do anything. And you're like, mm-hmm. Tom, everyone not, doesn't. And I think we need to learn, teach this lesson to Joe Burrow. That Joe Burrow needs to go back and get the humility and be like, dude, when you were the underdog, when you're the underdog, you're dominating. Then you went into Burrowhead, and you came in, and now Patrick Mahomes has a bum ankle, and no one thinks he can throw a football because hmm. he's hurt. You made him the underdog. You gave him that advantage. Yep. Don't give him that advantage. It's not the talking. You're just letting him be the underdog. Tom Brady was the underdog his entire career, even though he wasn't. 
because he lived his life that way, basically, yeah. because of his time. And he also, kept that chip on his shoulder. It's his time at Michigan. So you can give Lord Carr a lot of credit for that because Lord Carr would never let him win that job. It was Drew Henson's job. Yep. And then Tom Brady won it toward the end. And then Bill Belichick, and I think taking the advice of Lord Carr, essentially, or at least uh, looking at that example, said, I'm never going to allow Tom Brady to get comfortable either. And he drafted nine different quarterbacks after Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl and already had become the franchise quarterback. He was still drafting quarterbacks behind Tom Brady with the belief that you keep Tom Brady uncomfortable, you keep that chip on his shoulder, as you said. And that's what fuels the competitive sickness of Tom Brady because the secret is Tom Brady's at his best when he feels threatened and he thinks his job is threatened. And he always felt like that. Tom Brady felt like that his entire career. Because Belichick actually drafted quarterbacks right behind him. They were drafted higher than he was. But also because of where he came from, um, there at Michigan, he did have to kind of fight and he really had to compete to, to win that job. So he never thought he had job security. The, the, the one time Tom Brady thought he had job security was when he got with the Bucks. That was it. Remember, he goes to, he goes to ownership, Robert Kraft, to tell them to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo because he's tired of having to win his job. <laughs> yeah. He literally goes and like, I'm the GOAT. Why am I having to compete for my job? Belichick's out here saying, man, put Jimmy G in there. Jimmy G, you need some of these first-team reps. He's like, I'm the GOAT. Why am I competing for first-team reps on my own damn team when I'm the GOAT? He went to Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft said, I agree with you. Get, get Jimmy G out of here. S- ship Jimmy G out of town. And they trade him to the 49ers. That was, that was Tom Brady like losing it essentially because he thought I had established myself and Bill Belichick would never allow him to have that kind of security. And then you could argue that when he got to the Bucks, yes, he won the Super Bowl, but he won the Super Bowl having a presence there to have a, a healthy kind of a, a healthy sense of, um, of tension, if you will. Like there was a there was a healthy give and take and a healthy back and forth checks and balances right because Bruce Arians wouldn't let him have uh, Antonio Brown at first me fought that a little bit um, and he would obviously wouldn't let Tom Brady get his way all the time that's why Tom Brady had get in the hell out of here that's why that's why Bruce Arians had to get a promotion or a full promotion to some I don't know some job nobody cares about and he wasn't the head coach anymore because Tom Brady wasn't having it because if Tom Brady told Bruce Arians hey man I'm taking off every every Wednesday you doing what? Nah, you ain't taking off every Wednesday around here. Not with my team. Yeah. It's my team, not your team. No, you're going to be on here every Wednesday or you ain't not starting quarterback. Bruce Arians wouldn't have that. Bruce Arians ain't going to let Tom Brady just do whatever Tom Brady wants to do. And I think that was good for Tom Brady to have that healthy checks and balances uh, on the team so that, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. When Tom Brady got all the power, what happened to the organization? What happened? Tom Brady got everything he wanted. Mm. And in decline of his play and of his team, it started precipitously. You don't need to have your way out of time, Tom. I know you wanted to be the Jackie Moon of the NFL. That, that's not when you're at your best. We found out when you're at your best. You're at your best when somebody's coming to take your job. Well, when you feel insecure about your job. And that's when you won Super Bowls and MVPs when there was a guy behind you with Bill Belichick drafting that guy. So psychologically, I'll give Bill Belichick credit. I think Bill Belichick did a lot to drive Tom Brady's competitive sickness to the 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 nth degree, to its zenith, to its apex. Even the year into the first year in Tampa Bay when he can go off and go, Oh, Bill Belichick's the go to coaches? 
Yeah. Oh, he's the GOAT? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm the GOAT. I'm the GOAT. No, no. I won him titles. Mm-hmm. You're right. Compared to Sickness. And he walks yeah. away and wins that first title. And now it's like, all right, now I've proven that I'm better than him. Yep. You're <laughs> right. It's a good point. So what else did he have to prove? Yeah. And then it was like, can I do it again? Yeah. But once you lose, like the more and more edge you lose, that underdog. And, man, I, that chip on the shoulder gets mm-hmm. a little bit less and less. Yep. Yep. You, no, get, you get humbled because of family. It's crazy. And point. your family, you know, walk in, you're like, well, now I'm getting a little humbled. I don't, I don't need to be humble. I need to be hungry. But not humbled. And he didn't have anything. That's a, that's a great point. He did have one more thing to prove when he got to Tampa Bay, and it was Belichick's not the reason for my greatness. Yeah. I won I'm him the, titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and you're right. And then once he ran out, like, I, I think it was a competitive sickness. You called it uh, addiction. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the same thing. I think we're in the same family there in terms of describing, you know, Tom Brady's psychology. And just like Michael Jordan, the GOATs, you know, motivational currency. They take, you know, slights. They take what they deem as disrespect, and they never, ever disregard it. They never lose it. They all, they internalize it, and they I always say they use it as motivational currency. They keep it, and they use it when they have to, when everybody, when they feel like they're the underdog or they feel like everybody's uh, disrespecting them or counting them out, then they spend that motivational currency. Hell, Michael Jordan was talking about it at his Hall of Fame ceremony. They that, make uh, the Dan, stories up. Exactly. Michael Jordan, yeah, he would just lie to himself. Kobe made up stories. Shaq <laughs> yeah. made up stories. And Michael, yeah. and they've all said afterwards, because he would hear these stories from the guys who the story was about, and they go, I don't I don't remember, remember saying that. <laughs> he said I said that to him. I would never say oh, that why to would Shaq? I do that? Yeah, why would I do that? That's Shaq. That's Kobe. You're right. But that's how sick they are. Yeah. It, it is, as I say, it's a, it's a sickness, man. But I feel, I understand it. And I think Tom Brady, he's in that rarefied air, that competitive sickness. I mean, the man gave up his family. For one more year of football. No, he still sees his family. He still gets to hang out with his family. Right. I think I he that. gave up his wife. I don't know if he gave up the kids. He can't, Well, he can't see well, the kids, can't see but, the kids he but he but, but we to. saw part of the thing of the retirement, and a lot of what you're hearing, is that he didn't want to move away from his kids. And that's partly what plays into this, because he could have gone to another team, yeah. but he did not want to go to another team. And our reports were like, he basically decided, I'm staying in... I'm like it's Tampa Bay or bust. Yep, and Tampa Bay is a bust, so I might as well. I did. Yeah, I still don't understand how. I think Tom Brady ultimately wanted out of the relationship, though, because this is just one more year of football. Hell, Giselle could have waited. He could have. He could have given up this football well, thing for one more year. I think Tom Brady wanted out of the relationship. Yeah. Can we he go, needed a way to sabotage it. This was the way to sabotage it. Can we go on the grassy knoll, though, on the go other ahead. conspiracy theory about uh, oh, the, Giselle and Tom the Brady? Bitcoin stuff? Yeah. I've heard that, too. And I don't disagree with that. Because they lost a ton, apparently, in Bitcoin. We don't know how much, but apparently. They were, and they were part of that the group that yeah. was with the, the guys getting arrested. And, yeah. yeah. I don't know how much they said it was like. splitting assets and hiding things, and you can do that in a divorce was part of the conspiracy theory. So maybe it's that. And maybe they get back together, and, he, and they go, hey, he retired, we got back together, and we somehow, when we merged our stuff, we broke it apart, and then we merged it, and we have all, we're missing some things. We're missing some things. Hey, it got lost in the divorce. We lost no, some of that money. I lost about lost 30 million you know, in the divorce. Every once in a while, I lose a couple houses. <laughs> it happens. I don't know what happened with it. Who knows? But I, I, that is a... That is a very popular conspiracy theory, though, yes. that this is all for show. This is all theater. And they, they are, they're not together because they're trying to keep up appearances, but they still are a couple and a family. But this is all a bit, a bitter Bitcoin divorce. <laughs> not about them as a couple, but the Bitcoin stuff is why they got that. So I don't disagree with that. These are, between them, they probably got, they're probably worth what? 
six hundred million or something between them. Yeah, I don't know seven hundred. They're probably worth near a billion dollars together. Yeah, so that's a lot of money, man. When you got money to act like that, you make decisions based on different criteria and different reasons. You know what I mean? That's a lot of money, and they're definitely hiding some money in some you know account overseas somewhere, wherever Giselle's from. <laughs> exactly, they're hiding a bunch of money there too. So I get it. I totally understand that. Uh, but Tom Brady, the goat, is retiring. All right, we come back. Uh, hit with the break earlier because a couple things I want to hit when we come back. I want to get into this Sean Payton uh, discussion. He's going to be paid somewhere between 17 and 20 million. We'll talk about where that ranks him among the, uh, the uh, head coaching salaries in the NFL. Also, I want to get to uh, this Rojo news. It's some sad news. We'll talk about it. National Signing Day also today. A bit of a lack of buzz, if you will. A bit of a buzz kill on this National Signing Day. We'll talk about that as well. And also, we'll give you a couple of more thoughts on the Big 12 schedule release, which came out yesterday. So we'll do all of that jam-packed last segment, uh, not last segment, but second-to-last segment of the show right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. We play jams from soundtracks, as my man Patrick does. And based on those song selections, we're supposed to gather clues and hints that give us an idea of what the featured movie is from midweek movie music. This week, it was Groundhog Day. And Groundhog Day is coming up. So, apropos, uh, shout out to my man Patrick, the idealionaire. And part of me really wanted to play this song the entire show. Uh, yeah. Just, just the everyday six a.m. wake up. This song over and over. Oh man, yeah. But I thought it might get old, so I only played it twice. <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely would have got it with that one. I think yeah. I would have got it with that one pretty easy. But uh, you're right. I would say all the songs you played early were very specific to Groundhog Day scenes. It wasn't just like one of those soundtracks where just they just come up with yeah, a great yeah. soundtrack. They were very specific to scenes. Because even the first one, I told you, I said, man, I've seen this yeah. m- a movie with this song in it, in a scene. And it was a very, it was a song that I didn't even recognize. I still don't even know what the hell that song was. It's uh, Delbert McClinton, Weatherman. I would, I would, well, oh, that would have given it away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, well, and I think there might also be a thing of it, too, where <laughs> I'm sure some of these songs are played multiple times in it. Maybe you're right about like, that. That, you're, that could be right. I Got You, Babe, is definitely tons oh, of times. that's a tons of times. That was, but, I would have got it with that one. But, but like, it may be like every time time they go to the place like i bet that polka song you hear multiple times you're probably right about that yes actually i think you are right about that i think you do and maybe that's why i got it instantly with it. i was like oh i know yeah. what it is i want to say the first time you played i was like oh, i got it it's got to be groundhog day and if it wasn't i definitely would have been lost but it was groundhog day so we got it uh all right let's talk about sean payton for a second here denver broncos got their man even though there are reports they wanted D'Amico ryan's uh but he uh decided that he was all in on the texans so they went all in on sean payton they traded a first a second and in exchange they got sean payton and a third round pick 
from the New Orleans Saints. The question is simple. Can he turn around the disastrous <laughs> uh, last season of Russell Wilson, or the first season, I should say, with the Denver Broncos? Can he turn around Russell Wilson, resuscitate, and revive his career? I'm going to go with yes for now. And I think the place he starts, because remember, he was on with Colin Cowherd. And maybe Colin Cowherd already knew where he was going because they got very specific about possible destinations. And I remember Colin Cowherd asking him straight up, hey, how would you fix Russell Wilson? Here's the quote from Sean Payton. What would you do to fix Russell Wilson? You're a quarterback guru. You're a quarterback nurturer. He said, quote, you correct flaws immediately. And then we don't worry about how long the process is going to take. In other words, I'd want to cut up today. I'd want a cut up of all of Russell's past plays of 30 or more yards from the field. And I'd want to see, are there are some schemes that he felt very comfortable with? Okay. And he also went on to say, um, and he's just talking about how would you revive the career of Russell Wilson and what would you do? Um, he said, I would um, see things that he does well. Like I know they did a great job in Seattle of bringing him in off of a naked boot and then pulling up. And we all saw that throwback to Tyler Lockett across the field where the ball travels 60 yards in the air. So he's basically saying, hey, man, I would play the hits. Whatever's working, we're going to keep doing that. It's kind of what the Astros always do. If you always say the Astros had a revolutionary approach to pitching, all the Astros really did was they said, okay, what pitches do you throw well? Now throw more of those pitches. What pitches are you really bad at throwing? All right, less of those pitches. Yeah, That's in a nutshell all the Astros did. He yeah. said just focus on playing the hits. And that's basically what he's saying do it with Russell Wilson. We're going to do what Russell Wilson does well, and we're going to – minimize mistakes uh, by staying away from his weaknesses. All right, let me ask you this. If you're Sean Payton, you're going in, you're trying to revitalize Russell Wilson's career, do you take a guy who has put his toe in the water of coaching a couple times now in Drew Brees and say, hey, man, this is another undersized quarterback, and maybe he could help us out with some ways of how you're seeing things because you're around the same height? Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe he could tell like ways of all right how we get the O line to move where we feel you're comfortable to be able to see the play actually developing. Is that somebody you may reach out to and go, hey man, do you want to come in? Maybe is it a, a you know a advisor or a consultant mm-hmm. or something like that? No, yeah, I mean you could, but I mean you have Sean Payton who was there to witness all of it. Yeah, I mean Sean Payton is the reason that Drew Brees is a future. Not, not the sole reason. Drew Brees is a big part of that too. Yeah, but he's one of the biggest reasons that Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame. Remember Drew Brees coming out of that free agency period in 2006, right? The Saints signed him in the 06 preseason in that offseason. He wasn't some hot commodity as a free agent. He was coming off a torn labrum in his throwing shoulder, and the Chargers offered him, I think, five years, fifty million. Um, that paid $2 million in base salary in his first year and was heavy on incentives. The Saints signed him to a six-year deal, $60 million, after the Dolphins decided they weren't going to make a move for Drew Brees because they were worried about his injury status yeah. and his injury I, history. I just watched a video on this, and that was the – they said they gave me a 25% chance of ever playing at any 
like yeah. NFL level ever again. The Dolphins did. Yeah, and they yeah, just Dante Culpepper was their guy. I think. Yeah, and so yeah. and the Nick Saban still blames the, those doctors, the training staff. Yeah, he still blames them. Yeah, I mean it, they they obviously have some fault, but hey, Nick, you could have taken a chance and rolled the dice on them. Sean Payton certainly did. Yeah, Sean Payton went out there and watched him and was like, "He can throw. I can make. I can work with that." Yeah, and that was the other thing is Miami <laughs> was like, "We're gonna have you come in and try and fight for rotation." And New Orleans like, "You're coming in. You're starting quarterback. We're building a franchise around you." And remember, they were coming off Katrina. Yeah, at the time, this is why I'm a big Sean Payton fan. He's he's so good in crisis. Oh, he's been great in crisis. And, you know, coming into the, the Hurricane Katrina thing and then, like I said, bringing in, uh, you know, Drew Brees. But also remember, Drew Brees was coming off the injury and nobody really had faith. A lot of people uh, thought that his injury would hinder him. Sean Payton didn't believe that. And that Sean Payton system with Drew Brees turned out to be one of the most prolific offensive systems in the history of the NFL. And by the way, uh, Drew Brees also getting back to your Russell Wilson thing. They're the only two quarterbacks who run a Super Bowl that's under six feet tall. Yeah, I mean, technically, Drew Brees listed at six foot, but he ain't. I, I think y'all all know that. We've all seen Drew around. Yeah, I love y'all, Westlake, but he ain't six foot. Okay, <laughs> and Robbie wasn't five eleven when I was on campus at Texas. I went to the combine. They were like, "Why did you lie about your uh, your height?" And I was like, "I didn't lie about my height. I don't. I'm not given a choice. That's what my height is when I get to Texas. They marked me at five eleven. What was I gonna do? Go yell at Mac Brown? Hey, go tell him my real height. I'm five nine and three quarters. No, they said." They put the height up there, whatever they want to put the height up there. Look, players have no, they have no input on what their height and weight is. Do you think, anybody, do you think anybody's ever been six five and three quarters? Uh, or once you're six five, you're <laughs> six five. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> at the combine, they count that three quarters. They do. I was five eight and three quarters, so I appreciate them giving me my three quarters. <laughs> but the point is, yeah, for Drew Brees, I think he's under six foot. But to your point, if anybody knows how to work with a quarterback that has some of those limitations, it would be Sean Payton. And, you know, one thing I really also like about, you know, Sean Payton and what he could do, I was looking at, you know, some of the Russell Wilson splits for of a couple of the concepts that um, Sean Payton brought up on the, on the Cowherd show about what he would do to revitalize and resuscitate Russell's career. Um, so last season with the Broncos, Russell Wilson used play action on just 21 percent of his snaps. Um, that number was 29 percent in his final season with the Seahawks. Honestly, it should be closer to 29 to 30 percent. He should be using play action religiously. Also, boot action and dropbacks. Remember, Champagne said he was great at boot action, waggles. We all agree with that. He had just 27 boot action drops in 2022. He had 51 in 2021. He probably should have more than that because that's something he's really, really good at getting him on the move. Well, so, that's of course, he's good things. when he doesn't have an offensive line that he can't see over. Yeah, but moving the pocket is a yeah. great, like you said, let's look at simple solutions to complex problems. Yes. Can't see over the line? Move the pocket. Yeah. Simple. I mean, we've seen it with <laughs> what Mike McDaniel's done in where for Tua. Yeah, that was I mean, that was one of the complaints about Tua. Well, Tua said Tua said, said this here. Yeah. He goes, I can't if I can't see you, I can't throw you the ball. And like, you're right. You good Lord, that. Tua, you're not supposed to don't say the it. quiet part out loud. <laughs> yeah, don't say Come it, on, man. man. Don't say it, man. Come on. Uh, but yeah, man, that's why I'm a big fan of Champagne. Champagne is all about. He's a detail oriented guy, and I think that's what's good. I remember. Uh, 
uh, Chad Hastings always talks about, you know, the Cowboys, they don't have detailed oriented people. And that's why they oftentimes get out coached. And I totally agree with that. One thing I love about Sean Payton is he's a detailed oriented guy, always has been a detail oriented guy. I told the story yesterday of when they had the hurricane, it was Hurricane Ida had displaced them and they couldn't play in the Superdome. Superdome, the, the roof had caught on fire or something and they couldn't play in the Superdome. They asked the Saints where they wanted to play because they had to play a game against uh, Aaron Rodgers. So they say, where do you want to play? Anywhere in the United States, we'll try to make it work. They picked Florida. Why? Because all the research they had done showed that Aaron Rodgers' worst games as a pro came in the state of Florida. They couldn't explain it. Who the hell cares? All we want to know is, does the trend track? Yes, the trend tracks. So in addition to they wanted to be in Florida, the NFL asked them, okay, where in Florida? We need to know specifics. We know you want the game in Florida, but where? And they picked Jacksonville because they did all the research, cross-reference with flights uh, from Milwaukee, to Jacksonville and found out that was the toughest place for Green Bay Packers fans to fly into. And then they picked Jacksonville for that game. And in that game, Aaron Rodgers finished with a 36.8 passer rating, the fourth worst in his career. Ding, ding, ding. Details. <laughs> That's why I love me some Sean Payton. He's a detailed guy, man. Details. Sometimes the devil is in the details. Uh, okay, uh, real quick. Uh, we did say we give you a Rojo update. National Signing Day, by the way, there is no National Signing Day update, really, because all of Texas uh, 2023 recruits have already signed. They are waiting on two specific players, five-star tight end Deuce Robinson, who is deciding between Texas, Georgia, Alabama, and USC. He's also a baseball player, so a two-sport star there and they're waiting on a potential flip from a DB Warren Roberson from uh, he's committed to TCU right now and they may think uh, that he might be flipping those only two really commits that Texas is waiting on everybody else signed sealed and delivered already in that 2023 class um, okay uh, real quick the Rojo update because I know we got to get to the break here uh, Rojo is injured he broke a bone in his hand at the senior bowl on the first day of practice First day of practice, so Rojo will not be practicing. He'll do the interviews. He'll meet with teams. He'll meet with coaches, but he will not be practicing uh, with the team uh, for the rest of the Senior Bowl practice, and he won't participate in the Senior Bowl. Here's my Rojo stat I always give, though. We know Bijan, best running back in the country, will be drafted first uh, among running backs at that position and will be drafted in the first round. He led the country in forced missed tackles and broken tackles this year, set a pro football focus record. But if you look at uh, broken tackle rate, actually Rojo led the country in broken tackle rate in the last two years. So he breaks tackles at the at a rate even even higher than Bijan Robinson, and he averages 4.28 yards after contact per rush in his career. That is higher than Bijan Robinson, who averaged 4.17 yards after contact per rush. So you say what you want about Rojo, but somebody's going to get a steal with Rojo. And I got some friends telling me he may sneak into the back of the third round, bottom of the third round somewhere. So he's going to go in the mid-round somewhere, and somebody's going to get themselves a hell of a football player. We come back. We'll uh, wrap it up, put it in the oven, let you know what's on tap right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful Nine Horn. Pop a top again. You mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been known to drink a beer or two. I think a man working outdoors feels more like a man if you can have a bottle of suds. It's only my opinion, sir. I got beer. I got bottled breast milk. Eh, why don't we start with the beer? Okay. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Wait, it's already 5 o'clock here.
It's time for What's on Tap. How about a nice cool drink? That's oh, really man, good. That's good. That's that is... Pop a top again. All right, welcome back to Bar Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Getting ready to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven. Before we do, we'll let you know what's on tap. If you miss any part of any of the shows, please go to hornfm.com. You can catch up with them on the podcast page. Um, what's on tap for me is I'm about to get on these roads, treacherous roads. Nobody should be on these roads. If you're on the roads, please be safe. Uh, but if not, hope you are safe and sound at the house with family and friends uh, tomorrow. Hey man, same time, same channel. We bring it to you tomorrow too. Uh, we'll be here, but I think tomorrow we'll have, we'll be on the, uh, the basically the worst of this winter storm, I believe is going to be past. I believe that's the case. I, mean, I believe we might be on location as well tomorrow. Oh, is that some? Oh, you're right. I think we may be at a Pluckers on South Amar, pending any more bad weather. Oh, you're right. I. Oh man, thank you, Patrick, for reminding me. Okay, yes, because we're we're supposed to have a National Signing Day remote at Pluckers earlier this week, but of course the winter freeze has changed all of those plans. Thank you, Patrick. That's why you are the real MVP. Tomorrow. We are supposed to be at the Plucker South Lamar location for the show for our National Signing Day roundtable. That's the current plan. But if it, power is available yeah, and all of the say, other pieces all come together, then that is the plan. Yes, that could change. Uh, the weather is supposed to be clearing up at least I think uh, ice-wise. Tomorrow, I believe tomorrow afternoon, we're supposed to be past the worst of it. Yes. Tomorrow afternoon. So really around the time that we are bringing you this program, I believe the worst of the winter storm will be passed. But in the meantime, people, please be careful. Please take your time if you're on the roads. Uh, but if you don't have to be out there, man, just stay home. Um, all right. Uh, and also uh, thoughts and prayers to everybody out there who are actually uh, had to deal with some type of uh, dangerous situation, man. It's been crucial out there on the road. Some people got stuck, had car, had uh, trees fall on their houses and cars and stuff like that. So uh, wishing uh, the very best for yeah. everybody. And, out and there. shout out to all the, the first responders who have had to help Amen, everybody brother. out. Yeah. Shout out to everyone who is currently trying to fix the electrical and trying to fix uh, the the internet and everything that has come down with these tree, oh, the man. trees falling over and just blowing transformers out. And, oh, it's and been crazy. It's been bad. So to anybody who's doing that, if you're listening, man, we appreciate it because that is a job not many people uh, have the ability or the uh, t- testicular fortitude to do. A thankless one. Yes. Oftentimes. And uh, we should say we appreciate it. So uh, great job there, Patrick. Well said. And uh, like I said, tomorrow, the plan is pluck yourself tomorrow. We'll get you updated. Listen to 104 Down the Horn. Listen to the morning show. Uh, and they'll keep you updated on if anything changes with that. Thank you, Patrick, for coming in, brother. Really appreciate you, man. Now, you know, if, if one of us comes in, the other one has to. We're, we're pretty much. <laughs> so did relic- I make you come in? Should I have canceled it in? You could No, you no because in? I was in here before you. Yes, sure. You were I like, was here before you, you got like here. Two, yeah, you basically drove the same route I was going to drive and made sure it was safe. Yeah, I'm forced the path. All right, everybody out there, please be careful, man. There's stuff falling down, debris from all over the place. I got to go check on our fences. My wife said a big tree fell on the fence. Got to go check that out. And there's another that may fall on the house. But, hey, as long as everybody's safe and sound, we are blessed. And if you are safe and sound, then you are blessed, too. Uh, Remember, the revolution will not be televised. We're talking about it right here on Ball Don't Lie. We love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves. But more importantly, take care of each other. I really do mean that. Peace.